This is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 43. Let's go. Welcome back, everyone. You got your boys Dan and Tyler here this week. Uh, Bass is out of town, so it's just the two of us rolling with you. Uh, today, we have our weekly rundown. Like always, we are watching Undead Unluck, Episode 8, Freerun, Episode 12, Baroni Kenshin, Episode 21, Jujutsu Kaisen, Season 2, Episode 18, and One Piece, 1085. How are you doing today, Tyler? Howdy. I'm pretending to be Dan today. <laughs> Howdy. Howdy. I'm, I'm doing good, bro. Fantastic weekend. Lovely uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, all that good stuff. Good to be here. Yeah, man. It was nice to uh, get away for a little bit, see the fam, eat a lot of turkey. A lot yeah. of turkey. Well, are we wearing sweatpants now? Because I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's chilly. <laughs> it's, uh, it's snowing around here now. Hasn't, hasn't stuck yet, but it's snowed a few times. It ain't it ain't got that far for me. It's been about forty-ish degrees over here, so with nice. rain. So oof, I'd rather snow. But you want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So we're gonna start with Undead Unlock Episode Eight, Victor. That's a badass name. So will we finally see the defeat of Spoil? Let's see what kind of strategy the group can come up with to defeat this incredibly powerful UMA. Which I googled what a UMA was because I couldn't remember, and it's unidentified mysterious animal. Mm. So this thing's an animal, I guess. I'm I'm not sure on that one, but I don't think they've ever said that, right? I don't think so. I just googled it because I was curious. Yeah. I was like, what okay. the fuck? <laughs> I I was pretty sure it was meant something like un unidentified something, but I just wasn't never sure what exactly it meant so yeah like i thought it'd be like abnormal or something but nope nope it's an animal <laughs> like <laughs> it doesn't look like an animal bro no but so coming off of last week's episode shen has figured out one of spoils weaknesses and it's when he does that creepy ass thing with his long ass orochimaru neck yeah he comes out and it turns out that being near his head doesn't cause you to spoil. So Shen figures out that the basically how it works is it's got to be somewhere within his body. And it turns out that there's a core there. But we get to see Shen bring out the power pole from Dragon Ball. <laughs> they called it like the Neo Kinko staff or some bullshit. But no, that's the power pole, dog. I was kind of hyped. Yeah, as soon as I seen that, I was like, no way. He's literally Goku right now. Dude, I was. I was I'll go for it. Oh, I was just saying, I was excited. <laughs> Dude, I was so surprised that Fuko brought up Journey from the West here, Journey to the West here, which is like the story that Dragon Ball is based on. Really? Yeah. It was trying it's, to do this shit then, huh? Yeah, it's an old uh, Chinese like folklore tale kind of thing. But okay. I was sitting there, I was like, how did you not use this opportunity to make a Dragon Ball reference? Like, you've had SpongeBob on your show. 
You should have definitely had Shen looking like Goku or something, because that would have been hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't, I actually didn't know that. I didn't know that thing about the story or whatever. Um, it, it's that it makes it even more crazy that they didn't do anything because the power pole. Like, it feels like that they was trying to, you know, make a reference, but they never did. I guess. Well, that's the same weapon in Journey to the West. So they went back farther than Dragon oh, Ball. Okay. But you figured with like all like the pop culture references of like, you know, recent years we've gotten in the show, they would have brought up Dragon Ball, not some 4,000 year old story, you know? True. I mean, didn't, didn't, um, Shin kind of do like a Dragon Ball pose at one point, but without like the, uh, aura around him? I mean, that's just a bow staff pose, but yeah, <laughs> we'll count it. I counted it, so. I love that. But I was I thought it was pretty smart that Shen brought an artifact that can extend like that because he can attack spoil from without outside of the range of his decay ability. So I thought that was pretty smart. I just wonder if like they have stuff like that. Um just carrying it around kinda uh and what what all did they do actually have, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd be curious. I mean, if the artifacts are gonna be based off of like old stories like that it'll be cool to see what else they break out if they do break anything else out you know yeah and i'm i'm with andy as well uh, he was like why didn't you use a zooter <laughs> truth man <laughs> true true <laughs> and we also learn what shen's negator ability is and it's untruth and i thought that was an interesting name for it basically any conscious thought that enters his opponent's mind the opposite happens. That's why when everybody tries to walk away, they get sucked into his, his junk. <laughs> yeah. And, and spoils using like trying to use his like decay beam ability. And it just doesn't work because that's how Shen's ability works. So that's really cool that they finally after seeing it, what, episode three, two? Yes, it, it was definitely two or three. It was very early on. So it's cool to finally know what his negator ability is. Did you did did you like see like that coming or did you think it was something else? Because I didn't think it was untrue. I thought it was like something to do with like gravitational like magnetism or something like that. Honestly, yeah, I kind of did too. I didn't think it was going to be truth. Basically, whatever you think is going to happen, the opposite happens. But even then, like that doesn't scream truth to me. That's like un opposite or un like you were saying magnets. You know, like opposites attract. So. I thought it would have had yeah. a different name, but I do like the way they went with it. It's kind of badass. Yeah. Um, but then we get into like Shin. Shin is like talking about Spool's power, about how it's so overwhelming. Um, but this this happens like um, as they're sending, they they decide to send them up to space based on Foucault's um, hunch, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. So Shen actually states that first. He says we might be, he's like, he's really strong. We might be able to see him. And I was really curious. I was like, who the hell is he talking about? Who's him? You know, like, I mean, I'm him, but who's him? <laughs> <laughs> and so Fuko and we go back to Fuko and Andy. And Andy's like grabbing at her like sides and she gets all pissed off about it and slaps him across the face. And this actually led to some really unfortunate unluck. And they're talking about how basically spoil is caused by bacteria 
and they need to go to a place with no bacteria. So Andy is thinking about just making more explosions, scared of all the moisture in the air. And the unlock hits. And I think this is like the first time we've seen unlock really backfire during a fight. Because normally it leads to some crazy thing that helps them out. But Andy just like fell into a massive crevice and you just hear his legs like break on impact. So like, (laughs) I was kind of like, oh shit, that's not happened yet. Like normally like, it leads to a meteorite falling on the opponent, you know, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, like, if you get, I, I'm glad that they did this because if you get, so, if you get too comfortable, like, um, you know, using this without the ability to know, control it, like, what's going to happen, then I, I'm glad that they, like, made it where it doesn't always work out in their favor, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was good to show that it can backfire. And while Andy's down there regenerating his now smashed into a million bones legs, um, Fuko actually tells like Shen, like, we should send it to space because there's no moisture, there's no air in space. So like his ability shouldn't work there. And Shen comes up with this crazy ass plan to use the power pole <laughs> to basically send Spoil and Andy into space. But to survive this, Andy has to basically like up his regenerative regenerative abilities. And the only way to do that is to basically unlock all those memories and take that little metal card out of his forehead. So when they're going up, Andy pulls the... This scene is nuts, by the way. They're just launching into space in this giant power pole, which reminds me of Dragon Ball so much going up to the lookout for the first time. And... um so basically he pulls the card out, throws it to Shen, and they make it up to space. And Spoil's like, oh yeah, you might not be able to like be ta- like defeated by my ability when it's like just permeating off my body, but I can still suit you with this giant ass laser beam. And Andy is like, yeah, or we think he's Andy at the time, but Andy's like, yeah, <laughs> go for it, dog, whatever. And he blows off half his head. And when Andy regenerates, he regenerates his body entirely basically loses all of the spoil, like, decay on his body. And for some reason, his hair gets really long. I don't know if that turns black. It, do, you, do you think that they're trying to go for, like, Dragon Ball-esque type things there, too, maybe? I don't know. Like, my thinking was is that he's regenerating so fast his hair grows out and goes back to its original color. But we'll get into that a little more in a bit. But like, so Andy is now in what looks like he's also super strong. He looks like Trunks and like when he goes like super <laughs> awake and super sane. Like he's just huge now, absolutely ripped. I and love how I love how Undead Unlock is turning Dragon Ball. <laughs> this boy, <laughs> this one episode is just like, is this Dragon Ball Z? Like, what's going on here, dude? <laughs> but. Andy's new form is like nuts. He uses his attack called the vision bullet where he shoots off two of his fingers and makes two more versions of himself. And they just absolutely body spoil. Like, did you think they were going to do that that fast? No, like the, the, we see the thing is, is we've never seen Andy be able to basically clone himself, but all of a sudden he's able to clone himself basically and like it's it, this is naruto now you know shadow clone jutsus up in here 
And, uh, I mean, how are you going to contest? You know, how are you going to, like, fight that? How are you going to fight two or three of those? Um, it's, you just can't, right? Oh, definitely not, man. But so they defeat Spoil. They find the core. And Andy's holding it in his hand. And he just cuts off his arm and stabs his sword through it. And his arm just falls to the earth. And then after that, we go back to Fuko and Shen, who are basically telling like the, the group of kids, like, hey, you got to get out of here. Shit's, shit might be going down. And tells <laughs> them to run in that direction and that their group will pick them up. So I guess the union's got tracks on them. And then we get to the good stuff. This episode went off the rails at this point. Like... <laughs> So we see the arm with spoil and the sword hit the ground. I mean, it's like a freaking meteor at this point falling from space. And Andy just regenerates from his arm. And we've never seen this before. Like Andy's always had to regenerate like from a part like his head usually. So now he can regenerate from his arm. So his ability is even more broken when he's in this new form. Apparently and, he can regenerate from any part of his body. He's He says so. Yeah. Fingers, arms, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, dude, it was nuts. And Shen basically goes in the defensive because he knows he notices that Andy's different. And, like, his memory should have been restored, but his whole personality changed. And that's when we learn about Vict Thor, <laughs> which is a hilarious name. It is a combination of the winner and the god of thunder Thor. So that that's kind of badass. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I laughed out loud when uh, I think they actually said Thor at one point, and uh, I was laughing. I was like, no way. Yeah. No way, bro. And Andy comes out. He's basically like, I'm not a god. I'm a human. I'm not Thor. And it turns out his name is just Victor. But then we get to <laughs> Shen versus Victor, and Shen gets really surprised because his negator ability doesn't work. And like Andy, or sorry, Victor hits him so hard that his arm breaks. He basically blows through Shen's block and just absolutely, like, he. Shen looked like Deku after this. Like, his arm was <laughs> bruised. His face was bruised. Like, it looked straight out of My Hero Academia. Ooh, we're going everywhere in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was all over the place with anime references that probably aren't supposed to be anime references, but we're making them them. Yeah, it's funner when you uh, when your imagination runs wild, says SpongeBob. So, <laughs> <laughs> but then Victor uses parts bullet to basically shoot Shen with five finger pistols and knocks him out. And at this point, Fuko tries to use unlock on Victor, and like nothing happens. So after seeing Shen and Fuko's abilities not work, do you think like Victor can just negate negator abilities? See, I was wondering about that as well. I I don't know if it's like, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, like, is it is it because he's a god, or is it because of an advanced form of his abil ability of undead? Right. I don't. I don't know. I mean, regeneration shouldn't cause other abilities to not work. I so kind of get. I kind of get why Fuko's might not have worked because hers rely on um, how much she likes a person. I think that she don't really like this alternate uh, personality, I think. Maybe that's why it didn't work on him, right? 
I don't know, because I mean, technically, she like even if she doesn't like you, like something bad still happens. I mean, remember the old guy who like tripped and sprained his ankle? That was, that was her grandpa, though. Yeah, she said she didn't <laughs> like her grandpa. Yeah, but she liked him a little bit. Right? I don't know. This is the same body of the man she's supposed to fall in love with. And she even says, like, she's trying to communicate with Andy, who's in there somewhere. And we see a few times, you'll see, like, a little spark of lightning in the gaping hole in his forehead. And, like, it'll be, like, Andy and Victor are talking, which is really weird. So we have, like, a really weird split personality disorder thing going on here. What but, if what if uh, Victor like has another ability like this alternate personality has another ability attached to it like undead? What ungod? Cool. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. After that, you know, Shed basically comes in. He's like, Andy asked him to do two things: protect the brat and defeat me. And then after that, the whole fucking union shows up, and I'm really excited. I think we're about to get a really gnarly brawl next episode. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, I think it ended with uh, the leader chick uh, pulling up on him, and they're going to have a sword fight, maybe? So it's going to be interesting so. to see uh, like what all negator abilities that they have. I'm sure we'll get to, like, we'll find out at least one of theirs, so... Yeah, definitely. And another anime reference, she really reminds me of people from Gundam. Really? Okay. There's always a mysterious masked person in Gundam who is normally pretty high up in like a military organization. And while she's basically leading one, so like, yeah, getting Gundam vibes from her. You know who, uh, you know who, uh, Victor reminds me of, kinda? Ichigo, when he's in his like black hair mode? (laughs) Yes. Yes, did did you not think that as soon as it happened? No, I didn't until you said something, and then I was like, the hair is kind of like Ichigo. Well, his whole build, bro, like his whole build, like that's just what he, it looked like, you know, back I, back then. I don't think Ichigo was that ripped. I I think I think so. I, I really do. I really I think he was like that 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 ripped that hard. I don't know, man. I don't think he was that that jacked up. I mean, shit, he's fucking huge. Look, I'll I'll make a side by side after this episode, and we're gonna <laughs> see. <laughs> he he kind of reminds me of like Majin Vegeta. Like I'm just an angsty, angry person. <laughs> you haven't seen that yet in DBZ, I don't think. No, I ain't really seen that yet. I'm I'm only in Dragon Ball right now. You're still not in Dragon Ball Z yet? Like, you've been, like, at the end of Dragon Ball for a minute, I feel like. Well, the thing is, is, like, I've not watched it technically in a little while, so it's just, like, sitting there, you know what I mean? <laughs> not moving. Putting it on the back burner. Shame. Pretty much, honestly. But I'll get to it eventually, you know, so. I feel that. But yeah, no, I'm excited to see where this fight actually goes. Like, I don't even know if the Union can beat Victor. He looks broken. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I'm kind of wondering, like, why, why, instead of trying to beat him, why not just try to put that thing back in his head? You know, wouldn't that be the easiest option? Yeah, but I feel like he knows how to handle that now. I feel like he knows that that's the way to get him back to being Andy. So, like... I feel like he'll be on the defense for that, you know? Yeah. I honestly think that 
Fuko is going to play a big part in um, Andy coming back. It just feels like that. It feels like the power of friendship is going to happen. I mean, it should. It's a shonen anime, so. <laughs> yeah, that's I what just... I want to see. I don't want to see uh, a big fight or whatever. I just want to see, you know, Fuko kiss him and, you know, Whoa. we're back. We need boxing first, though. <laughs> They didn't bring the whole squad there for a little schmooch. Come on, we need some boxing. Okay, I'll I'll give you a little bit. That's what we're <laughs> gonna give for a little while. But then I don't think they're gonna be able to do much with him unless they got some crazy negator abilities. But if it's true, then that he can negate the negator abilities, then oh, negate. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Oh, that'd be broken. But also, if you want to get into free run. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so we got Freer in episode 12 and called A Real Hero. And as we continue our journey north, Freer returns to town in order to keep a promise she once made. And we also learn more about Stark and Freer's past in this episode. So basically, we started off with the gang continuing their journey, like I said. Uh, but Freer is just so tired that she just fell asleep while walking. Uh, and. You know, they, uh, Fern and Stark was like conversing amongst each other, and Stark was like trying his hardest to carry Fern to the town or whatever, and Fern just wouldn't let him. <laughs> what was your thoughts on like why? I think Fern is just really protective of Fern, and honestly, because Fern looks so young, I think she looks at her even though she is. 900 to a thousand years older or younger i think she looks at her like i'm a big sister you know which oh, is fucking so you, weird to me okay hmm. i mean that they give off that kind of vibe i agree uh i i think she was kind of thinking that he was gonna try to catch a field or something too i i don't know why they gotta put my man on like blast like that though yeah i mean i Stark doesn't come off as a perv so like I don't know what's going through Fern's head of that, you know? Technically, Fern has done more questionable things for Stark at this point. So. That's The true. potions? Remember? Oh. The spells? Like, being able to see through clothes and shit? That's true, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't she say some of the lines of, I'm not impressed? And that's kind of yeah. heartless. <laughs> but, uh... You know, we, we get to the village of the sword, actually. And there's like a little young lord um, that meets them. And I kind of was thinking, like, wonder what's actually going on in that town in order for, like, for a young girl like that. It looked like she was, what, 10, 11 to be the leader. Like, do you think it was because of the lord of the forest or whatever it was? No, not at all. I think, well, maybe. I was going to say, I think her grandmother was the other leader and she died. So it's just like a family thing to be the leader of that town. So she had to take over is what I thought. Yeah, but what happened to the mother, you know? Maybe she dead too. <laughs> Good. <laughs> maybe Why? everyone's You dead. know what I mean? Why? <laughs> I, there was a lot of wolf monsters. Because they, they you know, Freeran kind of hopped this town up to be like able to protect itself. Uh, or something like that so it's just it just you know makes me curious and know why uh such a young 
girl is leading the village without any help, it seems like. But, um, yeah. yeah, this is also a place where the real hero sword is, uh, apparently. And it's been stuck in stone and can only be pulled out if you are the chosen one that can drive off the great evil from the world, basically. Um, did you like, did you enjoy that they kind of brought this type of thing into the show too? Like the Thor kind of stuff as well? I mean, this is the classic King Arthur, the sword and the stone, you know? Yeah. And I liked how they brought it in and I'm not going to go into it because I thought somebody else pulled the sword from the stone, but uh, I'm not going to get into that yet. <laughs> Um, I think I think at the point this point they kind of led us to believe that Himmel was the one because it was rumored uh, that he was the one that pulled it out. Um, but we actually before we get to see the sword and stuff, uh, or the place where the sword is, we we kind of get into like the Lord of the Mountain at this point. And what was you what was your what was you thinking like? Um, it was it was at this point. I thought it was going to be some kind of big baddie. You know, that's usually what the Lord of the Mountain is, right? It's usually an animal of some sort. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a bear. Okay. And then when we got to the cave, you know, I was like, no way. This is actually a bear. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I just think whenever somebody says Lord of the Mountain, like, I just, I'm just like, bear? Well, are there bears in Japan? Why not? It's panda bears. Those are in China. It's close enough. There, there is an ocean between them. <laughs> I was going to say, going back to Wolf Children, which we watched, oh. great movie. The Lord of the the Lord of the Mountain oh. at the time was a fox. True. I was okay. thinking it might have been like a badass fox or something. You know, a little like Nine Tails. Hmm. I mean, it was close. It, it's a, it's basically a big wolf, right? Like a, I don't even know if you'd call it a wolf. Kind of like a werewolf, right? Is what nah, it, was, it like. wasn't a human. It was just a mythical wolf, dude. Yeah, but it was, it was like fighting on two legs and stuff. It was kind of weird, honestly. I wouldn't call it a werewolf, though. That's got to be a human. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. Like, the only thing that I was kind of wondering about, I guess it doesn't matter, though. wonder what the stones was in its head. You know, all the purple gems and stuff. Would yeah, they just, actually mean anything? I just thought they were rubies, dude. It's it's a fantasy show, so, like, you gotta deck your, your badass wolf out with some gems, right? Well, the thing is, like, the little things mean stuff in this show, I feel like, so... But um, I think you're digging too far into this one, <laughs> baby. Maybe I was just tired, you know, when I was watching it. I was like, you know, what does this mean, bro? Um, but they all work together to, you know, finally kill the Lord. Um, it didn't really take much to do it. Uh, and then they actually see that the sword that was rumored to be taken out by Himmel, uh, eighty years ago was actually still in the stone. Uh, apparently, Himmel failed to pull it out. And that kind of makes sense that why Hyder didn't tell uh, Fern about this because everyone else knew about it except for her, basically. Um, was you surprised when they like showed the sword was still there? 
Yeah, I was really surprised. But, you know, they did a good job with the flashback during this episode to kind of explain it. But I figured out what the giant wolf Lord of the Mountain reminds me of. The Pokemon uh, Lycanroc. What is it? There's a Pokemon called Lycanroc. Oh. And it stands on two legs like that. That must be a uh, new gen Pokemon. It is, it is a later gen for sure. I think it's Sun and Moon or Sword and Shield. Okay. Yeah. I've I've played like 10 minutes of of sword i think <laughs> and i haven't played uh moon and sun at all so uh that's why i don't know it it kind of yeah. reminded me of finra though off a of campfire cooking in another world a little bit yeah i mean they're both wolves i'll yeah. give it to you they're huge you know so that's true it'd been funny if like they just started cooking food for it oh shut up <laughs> we don't talk about that show <laughs> But, uh, you know, uh, speaking of the sword, uh, Stark was kind of looking at it for a minute, and I really wanted him to go over there and try to pull it out. Um, I'm still not convinced that he didn't. I, I think he did try to pull it out, honestly. We just didn't see it. So that's what I'm not sure of. I think they're going to come back to the sword later, maybe like the next episode or something, and he might be the one to pull it out because... You know, we got to see the Demon King defeated again, I'm assuming. You know, I feel like that's where the show's so? going. I think so. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, we did, when they actually get to the next town or whatever, Um, we actually flash back to the sword again, right? So it's interesting that they brought it back again, the sword, but we didn't really see if he did or not. But I would really enjoy it if he did at least try to pull it out. Like in the future, like we see a flashback or whatever. So, um, but apparently today is Stark's 18th birthday, and uh, she tells Fern this, and they're like, you know, what sh you should have told me sooner. Like, what should I get him? I don't even know what to get him and all this stuff. And she was like, what are you gonna get him, Fearin? And Fearin gets all excited and hops up and opens her little suitcase. And pull, pulls out like a, uh, a vial of liquid and says, I'm going to give him this. And it's a potion that dissolves clothes. Did you expect that? No. And <laughs> I absolutely loved the look on Freerun's face when she was holding this thing up. Like she looked devious, <laughs> like absolutely devious. And like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh no, is. This accidentally gonna get poured on like poor Fern or something in front of Stark because that would have been comedy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was wondering where that was gonna go as well. Um, I, I think I seen uh, I think I seen like uh, a bunch of like pictures revolving that scene and that smile on uh the socials. So it was a very uh fun scene. But um. Do you think that was a great choice for, for uh, Stark or no? I mean, Stark's a teenage boy. Let's be honest here. What teenage boy doesn't want a potion that makes clothes disappear? Because <laughs> I sure would have wanted. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, not even from a devious standpoint. Like, you could do some funny shit with that. Yeah. And obviously, you don't... Apparently, you don't have to drink it either. Like, because uh, Fern actually gets mad at Fern. 
and just pours it over her head and just like dissolves all her clothes basically. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that was a very interesting scene. <laughs> I was laughing a lot, <laughs> but, uh, then Fern goes into town looking for Stark actually. Cause she's kind of confused on like what she wants to get him for his birthday. Um, so she decides to go kind of ask him, uh, to see and, but she can't find him anywhere. So she's asking like the villagers around and trying to like locate him. And uh, he's, he's been seen helping push carts. He's played with some kids, saved cats from trees, you know, just helping people out in uh, a bunch of different ways. And did, I'm just kind of wondering um, if you've ever noticed start giving off those kind of vibes before, or like, are we just now seeing like, what Stark truly is. Um, I mean, if you think back to him in that original town where they met him, he was only staying there to, I guess, give the village a sense of safety. So I think he's always been a really good guy deep down the entire time, you know? True. Okay. But then wasn't he the one that, like, on the uh, mountain pass or whatever, he was uh, kind of confused that Freeran was like, uh, they was wanting to remove the whole blockage or whatever instead of helping just the one guy. It, that's what confused me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. In that sense, like, your magic, like, just pick him up and push him by. You know, you could have, I don't know. I, I kind of, <laughs> I got where he was coming from that because I was like, just pick up his freaking cart. Like, what are you doing, guys? <laughs> True. Uh, But... You know, she finds she actually finds Stark and he's out there looking at the clouds uh, and he's just talking to himself about what the clouds look like. Boobies uh, and poop. Yeah. <laughs> what a normal teenage boy would see in the clouds. Just boobs and poop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think I've ever like really looked up and seen that. But I don't think I've related to a character in anime like I do Stark in a long time. Really? Yeah, he's just a good guy who likes to see funny things in the clouds. So you telling me you've looked up at the clouds before and seen poop? Yeah. Okay. You ever looked at the clouds and I'm like, that looks like a giant dick, and then laugh to yourself? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about poop. Like... Okay, know, if you were looking at a cloud and it looked like the poop emoji, you wouldn't chuckle? Because that looks like the poop emoji. Like, it looked like a little coil. I could have imagined smiley eyes on it and a face. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's there. You saw it. Clear as day. Technology has ruined us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how Stark knows what the poop emoji looks like. But good for him. Yeah, he just he can see in the future, bro. Uh, <laughs> He's just dropped a lot of perfect coils in the fucking <laughs> woods. <laughs> Speaking of like the future, uh, we're gonna go to a flashback now, and uh, it's a flashback of Stark. We're finally getting to see like some of his past, and um, basically his older brother was the strongest warrior of their village, and they they kind of like lived in like a, a warrior village, I guess you can say. Um, and his village was attacked by demons as well. So he's kind of like Furin. He was the only survivor out of that village. Um, but only because his brother 
I wanted him to run away. He told him to run away when he first started getting attacked. So, um, but then he goes on to say at the end of the flashback, I think he, I don't know if he says this out loud or not, but he, he wonders if Hamill would have went run or if he would have stayed and fought, uh, fought. Um, do you think it's right for him to like compare himself to Hamill in this situation? I mean, it's not really fair to compare a child to the hero who saved the the land, right? So, like, I mean, at the time, Stark was, like, what, eight? Seven, eight, True. who knows? You know, he's a kid, so, like... But Himmel, Himmel, at that time, he was probably only, what, teens, right? When they went on their adventure? Yeah. Did they I mean, ever say? It lasted ten years. And I figured he was probably like 30-something when it ended. I figured he was in his late teens, early 20s. Mm, okay. But still, that's that's a big difference between an 8-year-old or a 7-year-old or whatever he is, you know? Wait, I wonder if he was comparing himself to Himmel um, because of the sword situation. Because we did get the flashback to the sword at that time. What if he actually did pull out that sword and, you know, Himmel was considered a fake hero uh, because he wasn't able to do it. No, I don't think he pulled the sword out yet. I think you're going too deep. Hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. I, I just thought about that. But um, for his birthday, we get back to the present, and uh, they, Furin, since she couldn't give him the spell, she decided to make him a giant Hamburg steak. Um, which is actually a customary birthday gift for warriors. And we find out that Ozen and like even his brother uh, used to cook them for his birthday. Um, so that, that makes me realize that he said he didn't get any gifts before, but he's been actually receiving gifts all along, uh, kind of for his birthday. He just didn't really know it. Um, and honestly, like his brother saving his life, like that was a pretty big gift. Too, uh, honestly, in my opinion. Definitely, yeah. I thought it was interesting that we saw that flashback a second time and it actually has his brother telling him to run. So that yeah. made that made, you know, him like him comparing himself to Himmel even like weirder at that point, you know, like your brother was protecting you and told you to run because you're gonna be a strong warrior and you need to survive. So I thought it was interesting. But I thought it was really sweet that they did the whole callback with the big hamburgers. And those things were freaking huge. <laughs> I want one, bro. It was, <laughs> it was the size of a freaking frisbee. It was probably bigger than that. Like, think like a porterhouse and a half. You know what I mean? I mean, so, it looked the size of a dinner plate. Yeah. Yeah, that's the size wow. of a frisbee. Um, But, you know, my last question is, like, How's like the Fern and Stark ship looking for you? Because it's they're, they're trying to display it, right? Developing. <laughs> Do you think that's actually going to happen? That's what they want, or you think they're like trying too hard, kind of like they was with the elf situation? Um, I don't think they're really trying that hard. They're just showing some like interactions between them. You know, like if you weren't looking into it that way, like I think it would just come off as some good humor, but. They literally showed their hands like together. That's like a classic like romance scene. That's They're true. showing their hands. That's true. Developing. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Yeah, it just makes me wonder if like they're 
like trying to make us think that that way they can throw us off. You know what I mean? So. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like they'll end up getting together. It would make sense. It'd be good storytelling. Possibly. Okay. They'd have some crazy hair colored kids. That's for sure. <laughs> like purple and red combined. It's magenta. What? Okay. I was going to say like violet or something. I don't know. But I guess that's it uh, for Freer. And it was kind of a slower episode, but it had like a lot of humor in it. I thought a lot of humor and backstory kind of. So. Yeah, it's definitely a slower week for the rundown this week. After all the gas we've had for the past couple weeks, it's kind of needed. <laughs> yeah, I think we were talking about this before, and uh, we were saying that Undead was like basically the biggest thing we had this week. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I mean, we got introduced to literal God, you know? <laughs> but the thing is, like, we're coming up on the... Um, the later half of uh fall so like things are gonna start like getting a tent intense i think um except one piece <laughs> except one piece and <laughs> i guess we'll just let y'all know why uh during the one piece segment but things are gonna start getting intense for everything else because i think we're fixing to start wrapping everything up um uh except for Ferran, i guess it's continuous uh cower well so yeah, Undead's the same, so we get 24 okay. episodes of that as well. Okay. But also, yeah. Kenshin? Yeah, let's do this. So next we got Ronin Kenshin, episode 21. Meiji Swordsman Romantic Story Act Zero Part Deuce. What? What? <laughs> so like you say, the I got Attack on Titan like flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Act Zero Part 2, the finale Part 4. <laughs> right. I'm but ready. We, co we come to the second part of Kenshin's story. Will Elder be safe? Will Western swordsmanship be enough to defeat the katana in the way of the samurai? Tune in next time on Dragon Ball Z. Okay. So we come back to where we picked up last episode, and it's Dion or Dion or whatever his name is, basically hiring this Western swordsman to defeat Kenshin. And the butler-looking dude, who's kind of like the middleman, basically is like, okay, this is going to cost a lot. How are you going to pay for it? And this skeezball doctor says he's going to unleash smallpox on this freaking Japanese village so he can create patients to get paid. Like, what the hell scheming is this, dude? Hey, I mean... People like that, bro, like they don't they don't care, man. They like they don't care as long as money's flowing into their pockets, they could care less. Dude, this is this is some fucked up shit, man. I feel like if Bass was here, he would take a shot at like the uh insurance companies right now. Oh yeah, and he'd be like <laughs> No, he wouldn't say that. I'm not gonna <laughs> COVID was manufactured, man. <laughs> he wouldn't say that. No. He he would take a shot at like health insurance, America's health insurance, though. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but he also says if he's gonna spend some money on this swordsman, he wants to see what he's made of. So he puts him up against his bodyguard, that big ass dude with the iron hammer looking staff thing. And a spiral absolutely just bodies him, like puts him in the ground, one attack, it's cake. And that's it. He's hired. He's the guy. He's the guy who's going to take Kenshin down, I think. 
<laughs> but uh, we go back to Kenshin Elder in the hotel room. And she explains why she pretends to be a man and wear a mask. And it's because sexism is very real in the early 1800s when this takes place, I think. And it kind of just goes into, you know, like I do this so I can help people and protect people and be a doctor because being a woman, I'm like allowed to be a nurse and that's it. So I thought that was kind of interesting to see. And Kenshin brought up that like he was surprised at how good she uh, could act as a man. And it turns out that she did some one man shows back <laughs> in the day. And then she proceeds to like reenact a scene from Romeo and Juliet. And you just see Kenshin clap at the end. And I'm like, oh my God, get me out of here. Yeah, Oro? Oro? <laughs> I'm sitting there going, Oro? Come on, let's get to the fight. <laughs> Yeah, I was uh it's it's actually like crazy that they chose Romeo and Juliet though. Um I didn't I mean, think that would be like very popular in the Japanese like Well, uh, she's culture, a foreigner. Right? Oh, she is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's a foreigner, so she's very educated on the ways of the western world. Okay. Where where is she from? Did it say like France or something? I mean, she's going to the U.S., so maybe she's from the United States, or maybe she's from somewhere in Europe. I don't think they ever said where she was from. That makes sense. Okay. But, yeah, so after that, Kenshin basically says, I can't stay here now that I know that you're a woman, because that is not right. And I'm like, damn, Kenshin got some morals. Good for him. Uh, Kairu, like, she would have a fit, bro. Calvary wasn't in the picture yet. He could have got some doctor. Ooh, oh, true, that's that true. money. This happened before that. This whole episode, bro, like, I didn't, I forgot that we was actually telling a story. Like, I thought this was, like, happening real time for some reason. But after that, we get a pretty interesting flashback, and it's of Kenshin as a kid, and he's talking to his sensei, and his sensei basically brings up, will you be able to slay men with your with your sword style, and Kenshin says that if there's a world beyond his bloodstained sword where people can live in peace, he's in. And I thought that was really interesting. It's because it kind of paralleled Elder's words about living behind a mask. And I thought it was interesting that they brought that up at that time. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I thought it was interesting just to see Kenshin uh, before he became Batosai. You know, I don't oh, think we no, see... No, he's Batosai in this. He's He's got the Is scars. He? Yeah. Okay. I thought oh, that was like it, yeah. when he first uh, picked up the sword, you know, um, and before like the war, I thought it went that far back. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Did you watch the um, the post credit scene? Uh, Yeah, but um, since you asked about it, I'm having issues remembering what it was about. Ah, so you didn't watch the post credit scene. Gotcha. I did watch it. I just, I'm just, you know, have, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I was going to bring it up to the end but uh, they ask him in the post credit scene like when did this happen and he's like oh it happened uh, five days before I showed up at the dojo <laughs> no no so like I'm talking about the um I'm not I know the story happened five days before the uh the he showed up but the flashback oh oh yeah no that flashback was, was before he was yeah. Potosai yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying I'm, I'm glad that we 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 actually seen like some of his story before he was Batosai because I don't think we've seen any before, right? No. No, we haven't seen his sensei or anything like that, so I'm not going to spoil anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 
I would love to see more of like that period of time because I feel like we need to know more about Kenshin before he was Batosai, right? I feel like we need to know more about Kenshin when he was Batosai. What? Ain't there actually like an anime for that, though? Yeah, there was a movie. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Somebody was telling me about it. Uh, yeah. I said I should watch it. There's but... a movie. It's gas. Okay. But so after that, we come back to Dr. Elder, and she's getting picked up by Don Kichi. And it turns out that there was a call to set up an appointment for a doctor in the dead of night. Like, pretty late. And um, how do you not realize that's a trap? Like, who makes the doctor appointment for midnight? Well, I think, I think she started to realize that because when she was like, we need to get there fast, you know, um, or whatever. And he was like, no, I don't think that's Thomas an issue. This was a scheduled appointment. And then the wheels started turning in her head. And then it was just too late because old boy spiral dude or whatever was just standing there waiting for him. So, yeah. And interestingly enough, Kenshin received a note from the hotel that would have told her about this appointment. And I think if he gave that to her before, you know, like if he wasn't shocked that she was a woman and that all went down, <laughs> I think they would have realized this was a trap pretty quick. But Don Kichi's just a good guy, man. Yeah, he's just trying to get her to from A to B. Like, I don't think he's very smart, honestly. Uh, he's just pulling <laughs> he his wagon, bro. He drives a rickshaw, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he's just pulling his wagon. He's he's like Thomas the Train. But yeah, so they run into none other but Esperal, whose name is a spiral. And seeing his technique. I was cracking up. I'm like, they really thought hard about this name, man. So he uses a sword style called Destorn Neador Sable Estillo. Very, very Spanish or French. I'm not sure which. I, I, I use Spanish there because it sounds sexy. But <laughs> this is a spiral sword style. And it turns out the dude coils up like a fucking snake and just spins the blade into people. And when he hit the wagon and Don Kichi's attack. They like, they freaking flew through the air in a spiral fashion. I was like, this is kind of nuts. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and his, and his like poses, I guess you can say his stances get even <laughs> they, wilder. They looked like something out of Jojo's man. <laughs> they really do. And I haven't really seen much of Jojo's, but I was like, damn, this, like, how do you fight like that, bro? You I know? know, man. It was crazy. You know, I think he's just a big Gurren Lagan fan, and he's a big fan of the power of the spiral, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Baby. <laughs> but after that, uh, a spiral uses Elder as a hostage to make Kenshin fight. And we get we get a very one-sided fight here. Um, the Hidokiri Batosai versus a spiral, the Western swordsman. And basically, Aspiral is using all these crazy corkscrew attacks, and Kenshin's just dodging them all, being Kenshin. And the middleman guy who basically, like, got Aspiral hired is really impressed with how Kenshin is dodging these attacks. Because these are two master swordsmen going on it, and he's, like, dodging these, like, a paper-thin margin. And because he dodged all his attack, Aspiral decides to use his ultimate technique, Tornado Infierno. And 
Kenshin actually uses the force of this attack to strengthen his own sword attack. And he breaks a spiral sword and just hits him right in the right in the like the body, like the chest gut area, and wins with a lot of ease. Yeah. Uh and I just want to say like the form that I was talking about is comes from this tornado inferno. Um he literally like Bends over backwards uh, in his pose. Dude, oh, he, so Dio, he Dio poses with a sword. Is, is that how he poses, Dio? <laughs> yeah, he like leans really far back, but it's kind okay. of the same thing. <laughs> we, we're just getting, you know, this this uh, this rundown is brought to you by all the uh, other animes that we're not talking about, apparently. So little happened this week that we just had to make 8,000 anime references. <laughs> but yeah Kenshin wins and a spiral is basically like take me out you know finish me off and Kenshin just just like dude you're not that injured like check yourself and he showed him the Sakabato again and we realized that that is Kenshin's current soul it's not a sword to kill it's a sword to protect and it's kind of just bringing his whole philosophy full circle and after that with a spiral losing Dion scumbag he is says fuck it everybody's getting smallpox anyways and hucks this vial of smallpox virus into the air and i swear to god dude this scene took like three minutes like this is one piece pacing right here <laughs> like that vial was in the air for like a minute and a half and it was like inches from the ground for like two minutes <laughs> four <several> times, times. <laughs> <laughs> but did you expect a spiral to be the one to catch it in the end? No, but it like really uh I guess caught me, it caught me off guard and it I guess it kind of hit home for the uh you know kind of the thing that they was going for like you know you can you can be a good guy or whatever so Yeah, you know, I mean he was really just there to fight a samurai. Like he didn't give a shit about this other guy. And when he lost, he said something along the lines of, like, don't let my defeat, like, be any worse, man. Like, just get yeah. out of here. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny thinking about this, um, thinking about him catching it or whatever and not being a, as bad as guy as we thought. He actually, like, when he was captured, when he had um, uh, uh, the girl as hostage, Dr. Elder as hostage, um... He after he done it, he was like, "I'm sorry for the, the trouble or something like that." Yeah, he's he apologizing like, to her. Sorry for being rough or something like yeah. that. So, so that kind of threw me off guard too. So it kind of makes sense, you know. Yeah, especially for like how menacing this guy looks. Like he's creepy. Yeah, the eyes, bro. It's the eyes. It's the eyes in the stand. <laughs> but yeah, so we go to the next day and it turns out that Elder saved a spiral. And while they were talking, she kind of gave him some new purpose in life. And she told him that his goal was too large. And he kind of needs to reevaluate that. And she compared it to using a map of Japan to tour Yokohama, the town they're in. So I've never thought about that. Like, that's kind of a really cool analogy she made there. And I really like that. Yeah, why why would you like use a map of whole, the the whole of Japan to tour a town? You know that that doesn't make sense. You you're gonna miss all the you know stuff that's specific for that um 
town, you know? Yeah. And she kind of just told him that he got lost along the way in his journey. And after that, you know, Dion was arrested. The middleman, butler-looking dude was deported. And the Spiral's a good guy. So look at that. Yeah. Two episodes, bad to good, done. <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't uh, he the swordsman for uh, Dr. Elder now? Yeah, he said he was going to protect her for saving his life. So I thought that was really cool. And when they were talking to Kenshin, you know, they, they, it got really deep. And one thing that he said is that, you know, like he was trying to protect the Arab swordsmanship. But as long as he remains a swordsman, the era of swordsmanship won't end for him. So I thought that was pretty cool, like regrounding yourself. And he also swapped out his spiral sword for a normal round one now. So he's kind of taken that Kenshin ideology to heart, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, um, definitely. And then, you know, as they're leaving, he's like, you know, I'm not the only one saying goodbye to y'all. The village actually comes and says goodbye as well, uh, which was an interesting um, thing to see. Uh, and then we she she reveals that she's actually a girl, which is kind of brave for her, right? Yeah, definitely. I thought it was really cool that she did that. And I thought Don Kichi's reaction was so funny. It's like <laughs> Dr. Elder was a hot lady the entire time. How could you like, not know? I, I mean, I thought so. I thought, why? Well, yeah, she was a hot lady. But like, also, how could you not know she was a chick? You know, like it was so obvious. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously for storytelling, but. A mask ain't gonna stop you. A mask and a like a good voice isn't gonna stop me from believing that that was a chick. So, no, not at all. And after that scene, we do get like Elder and Kenshin talking again, and she talks about the scar on his face and his tr his past and everything, and recommends change of air therapy where he would move to a new land and forget the past. And I really like this from Kenshin. He states that his past was his choice and he won't let go of it. Basically, it made him who he is now. And then we go to this after credit scene where he says that this all took place five days before he got to the dojo. So it's not even a long time ago. They were thinking they were getting some story from the good old days. But I was like, nope, this is two weeks ago. <laughs> but he yeah. realizes that being at the dojo is revitalizing his mind and body. Because he's starting to be able to do things like he couldn't taste the black tea last episode, but he can taste the tea that they made at the dojo. And like he kind of realizes that it's what he needed, you know, it's what he needed to kind of get his mind and body straight. So I like that. Yeah, it really, it really, because last episode, I think he was being um, asked a lot about his past or whatever. And so, you know, being with, Kairu and Yaiko and all of them, it kind of just like I guess resets himself, I guess. Yeah, definitely, man. But awesome. You want to get us on to JJK? Yeah, let's do it. Jujutsu Kaisen episode 18. Uh, right and wrong. And basically the aftermath of Sakuna and Jogo begins now. And the surviving Nanami runs into a familiar face and the Shibuya cycle just keeps on going. Uh, 
Basically, we open up this episode with Itadori walking down into the tunnels. The whole time uh, he's going, uh, you just hear like a bunch of voices in his head, just uh, communicating with, conversing with him, kind of, um, each saying like different stuff. He sometimes answers himself or whatever. Uh, did you think that seeing him in this shape that Itadori is even capable of fighting right now? I mean, most people know, but Itadori is, like, that guy. Like, I think this is going to drive him to fight even harder, you know? Yeah, I mean, he said he, he had to, right? Or all them lives would be, like, in vain, I guess, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it is bad anyways, but... um, Then we get to, like, the OP, and... Did you like that they had that blue screen after the opening? Like it stayed on the screen for like five, ten seconds, right? Did I don't know. I don't even remember this. I mean, I watched this a few days ago, so I don't remember the blue oh. screen. I, I I was watching it on my computer and I was like, the blue screen popped up and I was like, wait, is this the blue screen of death? Because it stayed on there for so long. I was just so <laughs> I was like, is my computer crashing, bro? It's, it's just poor editing by Mappa. To sh- it's, a, it's a cry for help. <laughs> I, I, it, it could be. Uh, but after the scene, we actually get to see like Nanami like walking on the beach, and you know, and also walking in the tunnels. Uh, also, um, but it was like kind of like paralleling them, I guess. It, he 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 was, I guess, wishing that he was walking on the beach while he was walking in the tunnels. Um. And he was also talking about like his dreams about living on a beach and like reading books and uh, doing all this stuff. Did you think it was cool to see like that side of Nanami? It was incredibly sad because he knew he was dying from what I can tell. And he was like thinking about himself relaxing on a beach in Malaysia of all places. Great place to retire to. <laughs> uh, and you know, he sees like a mob of um uh I guess cursed monsters or whatever and he like just starts going to town on them. He's clearing them out, even though half of his body is like gone, basically burnt to a crisp. And the whole time like they kept on like paralleling the uh ocean scenes uh during this fight with the mob and they had like classical music going. Uh was there anything like in particular that you thought that they was trying to say with all this besides that he's going to die? I think it was just, you know, like what I said, where it's like him at the end of his life. I mean, a lot of people in the end of life, they like, I don't want to say envision themselves in the afterlife, but he was kind of doing that, you know, like. At this at this time, like, I didn't really think that he was going to die. Like, I thought maybe he was. <laughs> I, I thought maybe it was something along the lines of him deciding if he wanted to keep being a sorcerer or not, or if he wanted to back away. But I was like, there's no way Nanami would ever back down from stuff, right? You know? I mean, I think he's at the point where he's so damaged. If he did survive, he would have to go into retirement, you know? Like, you're, you, half your body's burnt away. Like, you can't keep fighting. Yeah. But he did. And yeah, it was what he did. <laughs> uh, and basically, like, Itadori, you know, he's coming down in the tunnels. He hears all the commotion and of Nanami just 
going to town on all these monsters. And he runs to him and he turns the corner and he sees Mahito standing there uh, with his hand on the Nami. Um, obviously, this they they have a few words or whatever, and Mahito ends up killing the Nami. Uh, so, but before he dies, he tells Itadori that he can take it from here. And I guess this is where we should say like R.I.P. to Nami. Like I. Well, why why bring him back just to take him from me again? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think doing that is going to really set Yuji off the deep end, you know, Itadori. And I think it's a great story point. I mean, it's tragic, but I think it's going to lead to Itadori becoming even stronger as a sorcerer. It's kind of the vibe I got, you know? Yeah, I think so, too. Um, while we're here on this topic, though, um, before Nanami dies... Um, he was, he was talking like kind of, I think it was in his head. Um, but he was like saying, I can't say that it'll just put a curse on him. And then he sees like his old, um, I guess, uh, uh, someone that started the sorcerer Jujutsu high the same time as him, I think Hibara and he sees a, like an illusion of him and he like just points at Itadori and then Nanami says, I shouldn't, um, before he goes on to actually tell Itadori that, you know, he could take it from there. Um, like, do you have any thoughts on like what that whole, uh, scene kind of what they was trying to say in that scene? It was definitely confusing, you know, the kind of thing I got off, got from it was that, like, being a jujutsu sorcerer is kind of a curse in itself. And, like, having to live that life isn't something you would ever want to, like, put on someone, because it's, it's not an easy life. So that's kind of the vibe I got from it. He's like, I shouldn't tell him to do this, but he's gonna, and he tells Itadori to take it from here, so now Itadori's gonna fight Mahito. And I don't know if Dory can beat Mahito in his current state, you know? Yeah, I kind of thought that, like, he was asking himself or whatever. He was kind of saying, like, is it okay for me to die here and kind of leave it to Dory? So it's kind of like the same thing, I guess, in a way. Um, he, I guess he just didn't want to, you know, pass that on to Dory. But it was, it was... Definitely a sad time because we all knew he was going to die at this point. Um, but speaking of like, uh, you know, Itadori not being able to defeat um, Maito, I think that what you're saying though is that uh, he will actually surpass his limits basically after seeing this. And, you know, he went on like a blind rage after that, right? So um, it's definitely possible that he can like, go above and beyond now thanks to the power of Nanami dying because he looked at him like a sensei, right? Kind of. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was definitely an older mentor for him, so. But, uh, you know, as I said, Itadori goes on like a blind rage and just goes after Maito. Um, But Maito like puts up like a wall um, that is saying, save me. It just keeps on saying, save me. And before he punches, before Itadori like punches through it, 
he kind of hesitates and stops um, and kind of refuses to hit it. Do you think that's like the results of uh, his what just happened in Shibuya for him? Maybe. I think it has to do with that. All those like cursed monster things are people who were, you know, um, transmuted or transfigured or whatever you want to call it. So like, I think he knows that that was a person who didn't want to be in that state, which is why he hesitates, I think. Yeah, he's kind of like gun shy, I guess. Or something like that. Yeah, it was interesting um, to see that it, it, they done a real good job of showing like how his mental state um, kind of is affecting his decisions right now. Uh, but they they start fighting Mahito and Itadori, and Itadori, you know, um, is asking him, "How could you toy with, you know, countless people's lives over and over and over?" And Maito just looks at him and answers that you are me. And do you think that was just like Maito's way of playing with his mind? Or do you think like he's actually got some truth behind that statement? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, if you think about it from Mahito's standpoint as a curse user, like Itadori has been like killing curse users and defeating curses and everything else. So like, in the end, you know, for Mahito, it's basically the same thing, you know? True. Yeah. I understand. I thought maybe he was trying to say, like, um, you know, you've killed just as much as I have, basically. Um, innocent people. That's kind of what I thought he was trying to go for, to really hit home on the fact that, you know, he just slaughtered, like, so many innocent people, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, he creates that. He he makes that wall like it grows arms and like it starts pushing against like the other wall and closing in on them, making them f- be able to fight in like a small space. Um, but even after all that, like even as like the space is getting smaller and smaller, Itadori is still looking like he's winning right now. He because he actually he means business and um. He's just going to town and in the middle of fighting, he actually like punches the uh, wall, I guess, and breaks through to the other side um, because he was about to be crushed in it. And then they kind of like escalate to the uh, the action to the elevator. Did like that kind of confused me. Like, why would you if you see the door, why would you get in the elevator? in the elevator shaft. Yeah, I don't know. That was interesting strategy. (laughs) It was very questionable. Why would you go into like a confined space like that? It just didn't make sense to me. Uh, And it never did work out in his favor, I don't think. I think it was kind of like a 50-50 shot in there still. So, um, I guess Itadori just ain't got the strategy like that. (laughs) He ain't got Mekamaru, you know, telling him what to do. (laughs) So, um, but Maito, you know, we get a, like a scene of Maito saying that he's going to use transfigured humans um, for a little bit longer to attack Itadori in order to avoid getting killed because he knows that if he, you know, goes in too hard that he's liable to get hit by Itadori and one good hit, you know, is liable to kill him. So, um, but... 
And he also goes on to say, like, and another reason why I'm doing this is it's actually the most effective tool against Itadori's mental state right now. For him to be able to fight transfigured humans means that he'll be thinking about what he just did. And I'm kind of wondering, like, how does Mahito know, though? Like, how does he know this? Like, what Sukuna did out there when he's been downstairs this whole time? I feel like it was pretty noticeable. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even if you're in the subway, if the entire city above you is getting absolutely leveled, I think you're going to know. But how do you know a Sukuna, though? You know what I mean? How do they know? I just, I, I mean, who else could do that? I mean, Jogo was up there, right? Yeah, but different animal, dude. I don't know. I just, I just have a hard time believing that everyone knew that Sukuno was there, even though, like, nobody knew Sukuno was there. <laughs> you know, they could also. I don't know if the curses have a way to communicate. Um, okay. In that scenario, you know. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, but going back to like the uh using transfigured humans and uh do you think like the tide of this battle will kind of turn now that he's using tactics like this because so far itadori has been like kind of on the winning side so uh do you think it's going to change now yeah i mean we've seen itadori struggle to fight the trans uh figured humans multiple times and we saw it happen again with the wall that he put up so I think he he understands that he can affect Itadori's mental state by just continuing to throw transfigured humans at him. So I think Itadori knows that while he has to kill them, it's it's still a person deep down, you know. Yeah, and he uses it several times uh, to like trick him and stuff. It's bad times down in the tunnels. Uh, we also learned that uh, Maito has an insurance card is what he's calling it. And um, I guess I guess I'm assuming that he's talking about how his double, which he has a double now, um, if y'all seen, they actually ran into no Nobra. So um and I'm guessing that he's gonna try to bring her to Itadori in order to I guess enrage him or slow him down i just don't know if he's gonna kill her or capture or try anyways yeah i feel like if he's gonna kill her he's gonna try and do it in front of itadori that's the yeah. thing that makes sense to me i mean you really want to cripple this kid mentally and that'd be the way to do it is to kill one of his closest classmates yeah if, he, if he's seen that happen then you would think that maybe sukuna could come back out to play maybe I don't know about that. I mean, it would crush him. So I don't know if Sukuna can take over when he's weak-minded or if he just has to be knocked out, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, and I guess the... eating 18 fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but the real question is, do we think that Nobra has a shot at, uh, you know, winning against the double Mahito? No. In your opinion? No? No. Not at all? I mean, unless she has some moves we haven't seen yet. Which she might, but like, homie's got a hammer and nails. Like, she she was going hard up there, bro. Didn't you see her? Yeah, but like, it's Mahito. <laughs> it took freaking Itadori and 
his muscly best friend whose name I can't remember to take down Mahito. Ian. Or sorry, it took no, it took Itadori and Anami to take down Mahito. Like dude's freaking strong. Yeah. But uh he's uh, you think that he could be like uh assume he's at like half strength if he split like that? Maybe his doubles at a lower strength, but I don't think Mahito's at a lower strength right now. Like main ma- main man Mahito. Yeah. Is well, maybe he is at a lower strength though. Maybe that's why uh, Itadori is um, kind of on the plus side right now, and that's why he's using transfigured humans as well. Maybe that oh, maybe. that makes sense, you know? Yeah, it definitely uh, does. But um, you know, last thing I got is uh. What did what did you think of this fight and like the overall animation of this episode compared to like the previous episodes and fights that we've seen? I mean, it was good. It definitely wasn't on the same level though at all. But we've seen this with so many shows. You can't have ten out of tens every episode, you know. So like, it makes sense that they had to tone it down a little bit. I felt like I felt like when I was watching this that I was seeing like a lot of um. I think I was seeing a lot of like the Mappa situation like bleeding through on this. It kind of acted like it was a little bit rushed, honestly. There was some scenes that was funny looking, you know, like several scenes in my opinion. It was funny looking. Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, the animators are exhausted. Yeah. And again, it's one of the things where like you don't have your A team do a B tier fight, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, maybe I would love to see like it step back up though, but I guess that just depends on if Mappa just needs to give him a break. Honestly, let him, yeah, let him I'm catch up for a second. I'm interested to see if the season goes on hiatus or not. Yeah, it's there's a lot of rumors float, floating around. So we only got what uh, what is this uh, 18th episode? So what like maybe three to four more episodes, right? Should be six. Six, okay. That's going to be 24? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think I would be okay with taking like a week break in order to let them kind of catch up a little bit, right? Yeah, week's not going to do it. It's got to be uh... a... <laughs> Two I weeks? I think they need to just go through to the end of this season and then rethink how they do things in the future okay. and maybe push season three back on their schedule and give them more time to do it in a reasonable time frame, you know? Yeah, I mean, I could agree with that. I, I'm down for waiting, especially if we get more of, like, the last, what we've gotten, like, the basically all season. Like, I think I think this fight right here that just happened was, like, the weakest fight that I've seen in JJK Season 2, honestly. Yeah, so. I can agree with that. It also doesn't help that we just came off to the, like, best fights we're going to see in 2023. Yeah, I agree. But also, you want to get uh, One Piece? Yeah, let's finish it off. Let's do it. So next we got One Piece 1085, The Last Curtain, Luffy and Momo's Vow. Well, we're officially setting sail. We're getting (laughs) off this godforsaken island finally. But they can't leave until they've said goodbye to two of their dearest friends. We're going to say goodbye to Wano, though, and we're going to get on to um, what's going to feel like filler arcs <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, should we talk about that now? Like the like we ain't going to get to the next island for like another month or 
I'll yeah. wait later. Ah, we can do it now. So the next island, uh, the next arc is officially going to start on January 7th. Um, there's a lot of things that have happened in the One Piece world outside of Wano, and we're going to get into that a little bit over the next month. So it's going to be some really good world building of what's going on on the outside. So it's, it'll be good to catch up before we get into the next arc. Yeah, and if y'all watched the like, last of the one piece episode you 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 see it's gonna be about buggy i'm i'm the excited buggy episode baby yeah. I, I think i think in one of our dj episodes uh i think we did like a segment characters we'd love to see back and i think i picked buggy like i i've been excited i've been wanting to as much as i hate it i've been wanting to see buggy again because i know there's gonna be a lot of like shenanigans involved <laughs> well it's hilarious because you knew buggy was coming because you read the manga <laughs> Don't tell nobody. <laughs> it was very easy. <laughs> it was an easy one. But so we get back, just like last episode, it opened up with the people of Wano again back to normal, touching to see. And we get into a scene where we still have Yamato, Kinimon, and Momo basically charging to this port to try and catch Luffy before he leaves. And during this, Yamato tells Momo and Kinemon that she plans to stay in Wano. And they kind of get into it about why she decided to do that. And she wants to follow a similar journey to what Odin did. And she hasn't actually gotten to experience Wano yet because she's been locked in Onigashima in chains. So she's going to take some time to explore the island and help protect it until she's ready to go to sea. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and I remember back in the day when we read this in the manga, this was actually a big deal. Like it set like the social medias on like Twitter on fire, uh, <laughs> if I remember correctly, because everyone thought that Yama, you know, uh, Yamato was gonna join, right? And Definitely. then she pulled it out, and we was all shocked. So, yeah, I'm curious to see if we get down the line a similar like. She joins the crew later like Jinbei did, you know? Yeah. I mean, they they set it up to kind of for that to happen, I guess. Because um, he does say that, that any three of them, all three of them can join at any time they wanted to, basically. Um, Definitely. Do you think like they made like this scene like as big of a deal as what we felt when the manga chapter hit? I don't think so. I think the gravity of seeing it on a in a panel was more than a conversation, you know. So I think it hit differently. Yeah, I I was very underwhelmed at this uh, when it happened because I just remember feeling like a lot of you know emotions back then when I read it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I wanted uh, Yamato to join. Yeah, it, it feels like they hopped it up, like they led us to believe that Yamato was gonna join. And then they just yanked it away. I would have just, just yanked it away. And I don't think we got that same uh, feeling out of this episode. So Definitely, I agree with that. And so as they're running through the woods, Momo and Kinemon are just so mad. And they're saying they're going to make Luffy pay. And they're talking about cutting him down for disrespecting the Shogun. And they get really, really into it. Like, they're having a good time. Yeah, I'm just laughing and thinking to myself, do y'all really think that y'all could take Luffy down? No. Like, I mean, step up to Usopp first. See what happens, you know? (laughs) 
but when they and a really funny scene too is like Kenny or sorry, Momo is so mad that he forgets he, he's a dragon and can literally fly at this point. So he's <laughs> running through the woods and he's like a 30 meter long dragon. And there's one scene where they show the front of him go by. Then you see like his entire body. You just see these two little legs in the back bouncing up and down. And it was the funniest looking thing I've seen in a <laughs> while in this show. Yeah, this this scene, this this whole episode, it, it, it made me laugh a lot, bro. Definitely. <laughs> but so when they finally get there, like Momo straight up just like is so pissed off. He like jumps at Luffy, turns back into a human. But instead of like attacking him, he literally just gets down and starts like he breaks down. And starts crying, begging Luffy not to go. Like, I command you as the Shogun to stay by my side and all this other bullshit that Momo thinks he can do because he's big and tough now. And, do, you think, do you think like that's the real reason why that they didn't uh, want to let... Uh, like, they didn't want to say goodbyes. He didn't want to see, like, crybaby Momo come back and Kinemon crying and shit. No, I don't think I don't think so. Cause I mean, in the end, Luffy was like, "No, we'll wait here. He's coming. He has to be coming." You know. So like, I think they had a plan of how he had an idea of how it should go down. What, what if they didn't show up though? That would have been that would been uh, super unfortunate. It would have been fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> also, I mean, if they were like in the middle of the the ocean or whatever, like Wano's ocean. Momo could just fly out there, but you know, he forgot how to fly, I guess. So yeah, I, thought that, I, thought, I think me and Bass talked about this and we thought that that was going to actually happen, that they was going to, uh, kind of leave and Momo was going to like fly out there. So, but apparently he can't fly no more. So GG. yeah, you forgot how, but after that, this is when Luffy gives Momo their flag. So that they can show that Wano is friends with the Straw Hats to basically deter anyone from fucking with the island, which Luffy's domain is getting pretty, pretty big now. I mean, that's a pretty big player. You got quite a few islands on your squad now. And it also just goes to show what kind of status Luffy has now that he's a Yonko. Like, you don't fuck with a Yonko's island. Unless you're Bartow, I guess. Yeah, especially when it's like coming up really strong like Luffy, you know? He's, he's like, risen up, like, crazy fast. Oh, yeah. So. And it's been two and a half years. Yeah. And he said so. the epitome of pirate. Well, not the epitome, but pretty damn close. I mean, he's one of the four strongest pirates in the world now, so. Yeah. Pretty crazy. And he just, I don't know where Black uh, no, I don't know where uh, Kato stood on that list. I don't know where his rank was in the Yonkos, but... They um, don't rank the Yonko, yeah. I don't think. I mean, we'll power scale it all day, but, like, I mean, he was the strongest creature. So, like, he was up there. I mean, his bounty was higher than... I think he had the second highest bounty. I think his bounty was higher than Shanks at the time, and it was only lower than Whitebeard's. So, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is that he just beat like the most powerful, I guess, Yonko out there, right? At that time, I guess. I don't think the Yonko system was a thing until it was Kaido, Big Mom, Shanks, and Whitebeard. Whitebeard. Yeah. So. 
Because, I mean, before that, Rocks and Goldie Roger kind of stood at the top, you know? Yeah, I get, I get you. But after that, Luffy basically tells Kinemon, Momo, and Yamito, Yamato that if they ever want to be pirates, there's a spot on the ship for him. So I thought that was cool. And he also tells Momo that even though Momo is 28 now and a monster size wise, he always he's going to he looks at him like a little brother. So that really just shows how much they've bonded. I mean, Luffy doesn't throw that term out there lightly, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you know that Luffy, when he says stuff like that, that he's got your back always. So. I guess Momo can be like rest assured that like he 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 you know Luffy will come to protect him if he needs it if he absolutely needs it so definitely and he also makes a joke that there's no crybabies allowed on his crew so Momo better better become a man <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was funny and then yeah the Straw Hat set sail so you've got Law Luffy and Kid and their crews all setting sail. And they're talking about how they're going to go down to the port and take the elevator instead of going down the waterfall like they had to come up. And Kid kid gets a little, little cocky here. And I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> He's like, oh, you guys are going to go to the port? And, you know, that's cool. I'm going to go <laughs> off the side of this freaking waterfall. He <laughs> just pr- provokes them. <laughs> He was basically saying, y'all some bitches over there. <laughs> <laughs> and this royally just takes Law and Luffy off. So we basically get all three ships just flying off the side of a a waterfall. And the crews are like all falling off of the, the ship. It's so funny. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning of this uh, segment, I was laughing this whole episode. It felt like uh, it was just it was just one of those episodes that I'm glad we're finally getting back to like these type of shenanigans. Honestly, we we've been missing it. We've been having so much serious shit going on that it's time that we actually see the shenanigans. Thank oh, God buggy's dude. coming. So definitely dude. And I've always loved any scene with Tra guy, Jaggy and Luffy <laughs> getting a little competitive. They've always been so funny. And this is just another example of that. But yeah, so they careen off the side of a waterfall and we get the curtains finally closing on Wano after four years, five years. It's been a while, man. Long time. So it was nice to finally see the curtains fall on Wano. And I liked it. I saw a picture. It was really cool of the original scene with Wano with them opening and then it closing next to each other. And Wano just looks so much better in the second one. Like you can see all the cherry blossoms. It's really cool to see. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't actually see that picture. Uh, that that's pretty interesting. So uh, yeah, I'll see if I can find it again. It was on Twitter somewhere, or sorry, X. Yeah, X. Twitter. <laughs> where uh, was now that Wano's over? Like where like does this arc fall for you? Is it like top top three or like what's going on? Um, I want to go back and rewatch it without, like, not weekly. But I think overall, story-wise, this might be my favorite arc. 
in one piece it's between this and marine ford i haven't decided yet but it's it's one or two um just the amount of everything that went on in this arc was incredible i mean the fights gear five like how it was so serious like actually what they had to do to save this this island and stuff like that it definitely ranks above pretty much every other arc i think besides maybe marine ford so yeah i have the same feeling like um it's definitely top three for me um and i i feel like if i went back and rewatched it like because obviously the pacing has kind of been iffy for one piece for a while now you know obviously um but i feel like if, uh, it's been iffy since <laughs> before the time skip but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, ever since I caught up, you know what I mean? So, uh, the pacing's... I mean, you could tell it even when you was binge-watching it or whatever, that the pacing was a little bit off, but you just had the opportunity to, you know, skip forward a little bit, you know, to get past all that stuff. But I feel like uh, Dress Rosa's still up there for me, and like uh, like you said, Marine Ford and like Enos Lobby and all that stuff. It's, But I, I feel like... Some of my favorite fights, like Zoro and you know King, like the that's that's crazy, you know Luffy and Kaido, like that's just it's got some of my favorite moments and favorite fights of all time. So I feel I feel like that it would probably be top one, honestly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with how much the animation has improved and like how much more the fights are like turned up to 11 you know i think that is awesome but i think the story of wano overall i mean we've been like this story's been building up since freaking punk hazard yeah you know and actually now i think about it yeah and i mean luffy and law made that alliance to take down kaido on punk hazard and it finally happened like there was stuff on along the way Dressrosa and was dress yeah, Dressrosa was after Punk Hazard, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they, they, they found out about the uh the, factory. Yeah. Yeah. And like I mean Whole Cake Island was there too. That's not one of my favorite arcs, but I mean overall I thought just like defeating two Yonkos, like it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that like Kid and Law took on Big Mom, you know, and Luffy took on Kaido by himself, kind of basically, you know, just puts puts in perspective, you know, how much stronger Luffy actually is. And I, Kaido, I mean, and Law and Kid don't really look at it like that, though. You know, they're just, they, they think that they still have a shot to, you know, give what it, you know, give give out what it takes or whatever but um which is pretty cool to see them not giving up even though they stood no chance against kato well yeah i mean they never fought kato one-on-one either and i think they didn't use their um their awakenings fighting kato so i mean it would have been interesting to see if they could have remotely stood up like luffy did with their awakenings and using the full fruit like full brunt of their fruit but I don't think they're on the same level, but I think they're pretty close, honestly. Yeah, they're they're definitely up there. Uh, I I guess one I guess uh, while I'm talking about like 
my one of my favorite scenes of all of Wano and probably like probably honestly like top three to top five scenes of whole, the whole One Piece was you know when they first get up on the roof and Luffy just walks past Kaido and Big Mom to Kinemon, you know, and then has uh, Law like take away Kinemon, uh, and then he throws the first punch basically. That's like one of my favorite scenes in, in one anime. I, like I don't, I don't know. In like, anime, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> if I go back and watch it, like you just, I just get chills every time I watch it. It doesn't matter. Like obviously, One Piece like has a big part of my, you know, favorite scenes altogether. Like there's just so many of them, and One Piece just does it so well, you know. Oh, definitely, man. I mean, overall, fantastic arc, like we said. But yeah. you got anything else for One Piece? No, I think that's it. I'm, I'm finally glad that we're setting sail, actually. So. I'm excited for some cross-guild action. Because... <laughs> some buggy. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get into the shenanigans now, so... Yeah. But awesome, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this weekly rundown. Sorry the episodes were a little slower than they have been the last couple weeks. Uh, if you guys want to give us any topics to talk about on this week's episodes, make sure to join the Discord, linktree.com slash animedgens. Throw it in there over the weekend, and we will try and get it on Monday's rundown. If not, we'll just talk about it in the Discord. All right, guys. Peace. Later.